Welcome to another edition of Turned Out of Punk. I'm your host, Damian Abraham. And once again, I'm bringing you a conversation with someone who grew up listening to punk, may or may not still be involved with punk, but had their life changed by the genre in a major way. And today, returning to the show from Alexa on Fire, this mini Alexa on Fire week that we had over here at Turned Out of Punk ends with a bang. Wade McNeil makes his part two appearance on Turned Out of Punk. It's, uh, I'm excited for you to hear it. That'll be coming up in one second. But first, if you want to get in touch with the show, head over to the email address, turnoutapunkpodcast at gmail.com. That is run by my brother and show producer and guest booker extraordinaire, Tristan Abraham, and he will get the message to me. You can also find me over on Twitter or Instagram at left for Damien. There are Facebook pages Instagram pages, YouTube page, and a TikTok page for this podcast. Those can all be found at Turned Out of Punk on their respective platforms. I started making these video shorts for Turned Out of Punk using past, I don't know, punk history stuff. You can find those on those platforms and watch them there and uh, hopefully enjoy it. And if not, eh, it was free. Speaking of free, it is free. To support this podcast, just tell all your friends about it. Let everyone know that you know that you enjoy this podcast because that is the best way to spread the word. You can also subscribe to it or rate it on your platform of choice. I play in a band. We are called Fucked Up. You can find out more information over at fuckedup.cc. We have a brand new record. Well, brand newish record called One Day. More information available over at fuckedup.cc. It is available also on every streaming service and at record stores everywhere. And uh, hopefully you enjoy it. Took 24 hours to to make. And uh, that's it. <laughs> I don't know what else to say about it. I've had to talk about this record a lot. A lot. But I, I'm very proud of it. All right. On to today's show. As I said off the top, returning to the show, Wade McNeil. Wade, of course, is the... Uh, one of the guitar players in Alexon Fire, the former vocalist of The Gallows. I believe The Gallows are, are just on hiatus in general right now. And a member of Do- or the, the guy in Doom's Children and Black Lungs. And Wade's done a lot. Wade has done a lot in music over the years and punk rock music, putting on shows. You know, listen to Wade Part 1 and then you can come back and listen to this part if you have not heard it. Wade is someone also who has been very public with his struggles with drugs and alcohol, much like Steel from the band, and offered a lot of people insight to not just what he was dealing with, but what a lot of people in music deal with, and has been very open and just incredibly brave with the sort of conversations about this topic. So it's great to get a chance to sit down with Wade briefly and discuss these sorts of things. As I said last time, and you hear me talk about it on the show, I'm a huge fan of this latest Alexa on Fire record. It is uh, a real interesting listen. If you have never listened to Alexa on Fire, well, don't, that's doubtful for a lot of people. If you've had no interest in listening to the previous records for Alexa on Fire or it, you know didn't like the sound, check out this one. I think I really dug this record, and I think you might enjoy it too. And another thing I know you're going to enjoy if you enjoy this podcast, and that is Cream Magazine, America's only rock and roll magazine. That's Cream with two E's for people that are unfamiliar. I don't know why you would be. Uh, is back, and I don't mean just online. I mean in physical form, too. That's right. They are doing 128 pages. Uh, these things look like books. These are things you will 
hold on to forever, much like old cream magazines. If you have those, cherish those things. Uh, this is something that is uh, really cool to see because I'm a huge fan of magazines. Anyone that listens to this podcast knows that we've talked about this stuff over the years. And if you're a fan of magazines, like, you know, the glory days of, of Grand Royal Magazine, and of course, the original Cream Magazine, you will love this thing. It's it's beautiful to look at. Martine from Crudos has photographs in the latest issue, issue number three, which is just hitting new stands now. And you can subscribe to this thing and they will deliver it to your door. Uh, as I said on the last episode, Cream is something that I have a strong you know, connection to because uh, Lauren's uncle, my wife's uncle, uh, was a, a former editor of the UK magazine. And, and Cream, of course, is where Lester Bangs, one of the greatest rock critics of all time, was originally, I guess, the first published place for using the word punk, right? Way back uh, when in describing garage rock bands. So this is something we don't take a lot of sponsors on on Turned Out of Punk because it's hard to find the right fit for uh, what we're trying to do or something that's kind of in the same sort of line of thinking. And this is something that really is. This this is beautiful, this magazine. I'm glad it's back in in physical form as well because, God, I love magazines. I collect all this stuff and I hold on to it forever. And because they love Turned Out of Punk, they're offering you 15% off a subscription to the magazine, which also gives you access to this incredible archive with every single issue of Cream ever. And if you're like myself and enjoy pouring over music history, this is an invaluable resource to have. Uh, but they're giving you a discount of 15% off if you use the promo code Turned Out a Punk. And that is all one word, Turned Out a Punk, on your checkout. And that is good for, as I say, the subscription and the website access on the archive and everything as well. If you just want to read it online, but why, why, why would you want not want a magazine, a physical magazine? There's a magazine store that I walked by the other day and I was saying to my kids, like, God, I love magazines, you know, and brought them in and we, well, grab one, you know, enjoy these things, hold on to these things. Anyway, so thank you to Cream for coming on board. There's a mutual appreciation going on here and uh, check this magazine out. Now, sit back, relax, and enjoy Wade McNeil's return to Turned Out a Punk. <laughs> Wade, thank you for coming back on the show. It's good to be back. You are the only member of Lex on Fire that I've actually toured with, not once, but twice in two different continents, no less. Damn. Well, this is... <laughs> <laughs> Those were like some uh, pretty fun tours that uh, that we're Ice Age and us in England. And then... Uh... What a time. What a time to be alive. <laughs> it was the glory years. Yeah. You know what I? You know what the thing that mostly sticks out about that tour was, um, where were we playing? I was it's like sitting at a bar with Jonah, and then Jonah was like, "I wonder if anybody from Chaos UK is here tonight." And then the like surly bartender was like, "I was in Chaos UK," <laughs> and then pointed down the bar and was like, "That guy was in Chaos UK." <laughs> and then there was many other moments like that that's like that's why you do this is because you can see where you're going to be one day on the bar and someone's gonna be like i wonder if there's anyone from this band here it's like 
Yeah, I and, was in fucked up. I'm Jonah Falco. <laughs> <laughs> Who you worked with on the record, which is uh, amazing. I think this new record's uh, my favorite record you guys have done. Up until this point, it was probably Crisis, but I think this might top Crisis for me. I just think, yeah, it's, it's weird to hear bands kind of hit a stride this far in. It's honestly a bit weird to me that we made this record. I mean, I'm, I'm really, I'm incredibly proud of it. And thank you for saying that. Um, I think it is honestly the best thing we've ever done, but at the same time, before we started writing tunes, I don't think I could have told you what a new Alexis record would have sounded like. Um, and uh, yeah, I don't know. It just really, it just really poured out of us. It was a super strange time. Like, you know, we did this pretty deep into the pandemic at a point really where no one was really even seeing anyone else um, or doing anything. So just like to kind of, to, to be able to play music with your buddies was just such a treat. Yeah. We didn't even get together to write something new. We just got together to like, Hey, maybe let's jam. Like that'd be a nice semi normal thing to do. And maybe out of that, like lack of pressure, the tunes just started coming and, and yeah, over the course of about two months, we'd, we'd written and recorded this thing. It's almost like you guys needed that break. You guys all look like, at everyone except for steel did other bands, right. Or did other <laughs> music stuff. And like, you guys had spent so much time from such a young age together that it's almost like you need to, to, to take a second and recharge <laughs> like personal relationships at times. Of course. Yeah. I mean, it's uh being in a band is a fucking trip, <sighs> a really bizarre thing to do. Um, to, you know, to try and keep it together, to try and enjoy it, to try and turn something that was a concept you had as a teenager into a career. None of it makes any sense, you know? So I think we did pretty good for a long time, but you know, I don't, I don't know if there's a way for it to not like go off the rails. Really? I think, you know, every band's, every behind the music is the same story. Except gauze is one when that gauze one comes out. Except for the gauze one. <laughs> but they're not friends with each other. Like according to legend, right? They know nothing about each other and they just get together and, and it's only about the band and there's no friendship to get in the way of the, the job, I guess it were. And as soon as you have friendships, that's where it gets complicated because you have people's relationships and, 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 and emotions to care about you know that's why in fucked up as soon as we stopped being friends it got a lot easier <laughs> just take a page from that gauze playbook <laughs> exactly like ah oh, shit know? these dudes got it figured out yeah i didn't think it was possible for me to like gauze much more but here we are yeah when we left off the last time we got to the uh the fashion core wars the beginning of the fashion core wars and one thing i've always been fascinated by is that warp tour that uh you guys were on and it was the year that the old warp tour clashed with the new warp tour and it was yeah. like the 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 civil war warped tour war civil warped tour civil war yeah to capitalize the war yeah. <laughs> what were your thoughts on that tour because like you're fans of a lot of the bands that were pissed off at the younger bands on that tour all of the bands that didn't want me at their barbecues 
Uh, was it that bad? Were the they bands not... I grew up listening to. <laughs> Would they not let you go to the barbecues? Was it that No, nah, it was like, there's a big enough age gap and uh, like a musical divide uh, that, um, yeah, we're behind the velvet rope. <laughs> it's so like, it's so weird because I can't, you know, like I can't imagine these bands being stoked about people gatekeeping the thing from them in their time. Like, it just seems like, you know, you're becoming your worst enemy at a certain point. Yeah. I mean, it, uh, I mean, I also understand maybe after having done warp tour a number of times, like, you know, the first time we did it is probably, you know, what you're talking about, about this crossover, but you know, we did it maybe three other times. I mean, the last time was, 2000 we did it when old crows young cardinals came out okay. it was like the first tour we did on that that uh that record cycle and uh yeah i mean for people that weren't 19 like it was a very miserable thing <laughs> you know there's not a lot of there's not a lot of bands that like we're but there was a few bands we were buds with and then like there was not a lot of musical stuff that i really wanted to hear so maybe that was the case when we showed up and did it for the first time and, you know, Rancid and Dropkick Murphys were on time number five and they're just like, what the fuck are we doing here? You become the warp tour band that you, uh, you hate eventually. It's like, you, you have to become that because it, you, you just, you know, it's the natural life cycle of being on the warp tour, I guess. The snake eats its tail. <laughs> the snake eats its tail. Exactly. <laughs> But it's funny too, because you guys, you know, and I'm not diminishing any of the bands that, that are like this, but you're not one of those bands that these guys are rallying against. Like you're not a religious band. You're not, you know, dressing up like a glam metal band. Like it's Alexa on fire is Alexa on fire. Like probably more than any other band I can think of. Like there's no, no, obviously put on an incredible live show and there's, but I mean, like you're as real as it comes in terms of what you see is what you get. Well, yeah, I mean, I think, uh, yeah, there's obviously like the kind of the bands that we would have, you know, I mean, we be, we were a screamo band or a post-hardcore band or an emo band or whatever the fuck you want to call it. Um, and, uh, and so, yeah, I think uh, a lot of what, you know, a lot of those terms kind of became pretty dirty words mm -hmm. after a while, you know? Um, and the bands that we would, you know get kind of lumped in with um the bands that we would get like offered to tour with in the states especially um yeah it wasn't really representative of what we were trying to to do and um so it's interesting yeah like i think there's you know you mentioned like fashion core or something like that like i mean that's about the the furthest thing in the world from what we <laughs> were what we were trying to accomplish but you know the first time we went to the uk for example like i think that's the way we were kind of presented to people in magazines or something like that like maybe because we had toured with 18 visions or some shit like that right so um yeah it's interesting i think it's hard for like alexis is a real uh i don't know there's a, there's a lot of irons in the fire there's a lot of stuff going on there's a lot of influence and, you know, people are always trying to kind of like peg a band as something so they can describe it or they can sell it to people or whatever. And I think it's kind of hard to do that with us. I think it's hard to do that with a lot of bands, but um, 
but the things we always kind of got compared to, uh, yeah, didn't feel representative of what we were trying to do. Yeah. Like, I think the sound from knowing you guys now, like, I think from the outside and the onset, I would, I would have lumped in with all those, you know, like you're saying, like all these things that people try and stick you in with, but then knowing the people, the sound comes from the fact that it's like <laughs> five guys that shouldn't be in a band together. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like completely different other than getting along and knowing each other forever. But like, everyone's kind of pulling in a different direction and that's where the sound kind of comes from. Yeah. And I mean, maybe it's as simple as that with, you know, I said, I don't know what a new Alexis record would, would sound like earlier, but you know, a lot of it's that simple. It's the five of us playing in a room together. And then, you know, our increasing like kind of like widening pool of influences and stuff that we like. And, and that is still very different for all of us. And, uh, and somehow the thing that that works. Yeah. Like it's interesting, like, you know, gauze aside, but like to think of a band that has staying power, that's not just playing the same records over and over again, that plays to a genre, you know, that is like not bringing in any other side outside influences of what they're doing outside of, you know, within punk. I mean, I mean, I think it's a weird thing. Like, you know, I hadn't really thought about this until you, you had brought up gauze, but like Alexis is a, is a, we are what we are, you know, we sound the way we do. We, we have the fans that we do and exist in the music community. We do, but like, um, but like straight up, I have been at all of our shows wearing a boiler suit and sunglasses on stage every day because of the bass player of gauze. So like that is actually in a weird way, a reference point for us. And like, it's a fucking weird band because like we, like there's that and like i don't know like the stuff that the 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 pool of influence is like is really all over the map one thing i've learned from doing this show is like no one's in the genre that they 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 picture their band in you know like uh cedric being on the show talking about all he ever wanted was to be an ebullition band like just mm. like this would be like perfect or you know people that said they wish they were on lookout records or or fat records and just couldn't get signed to these places and end up having massive influence because of it, because they had to kind of force, they were forced to kind of pick a different path or to do a different thing. Whereas maybe if they had wound up on that label or had been kind of doing enough of the same sound to wind up in that scene, like things would have gone radically different. Well, I think there's no, there's no correct way to do it. You know, a lot of people that are in like in the business of music that work in music that aren't musicians, you know, they, they try and tell people that there's a way to do it. And if you do a B and C it's going to work, but I mean, I don't know. I our two bands are great examples of uh, the fact that there is absolutely no roadmap, no, you know, and making, making bizarre creative decisions, making creative decisions that you think would be counterproductive, like end up being maybe the stuff that's the most important. Yeah. And you, and you can't fit in with your heroes hundred percent. Like you can't get invited to that barbecue because otherwise you'd just be doing the same thing that they were doing. You know, you got to make your own barbecue at a certain point. Got to make your own barbecue. <laughs> your own barbecue. That I feel, you know what? At the 20 year mark, I, I feel pretty happy who's coming to our barbecue. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. eventually people start showing up at your barbecue. Like, Gauze's barbecue has people flying in from all over the world to go, you know? <laughs> what was it like at that moment where you knew Alexis was kind of coming to an end? 
because they're you know you went and joined gallows which who we it was a very 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 difficult time yeah um uh as much as the the mood in the band wasn't the best at that time um and the increasing strain between dallas balancing city and color and alexis i really didn't think he was gonna end i was honestly shocked um and uh and so it was yeah it was it was really really it was really difficult because uh yeah it's not just like we we up all grown up together and especially the things that we that we managed to do and accomplish together and everything that we went through even on a personal level um such a crazy thing to put down it was like uh It was like, I don't know, it was like my, you know, it was like my family breaking up. It was like the end, it was the end of something really massive in my life. And it was really, it was really difficult. I think every time I've gone to leave the band, I've just been too scared to, you know, like, I think if I was, if I was a braver person, maybe I would have quit this band at other points, because like you're saying, it's like, it's like, it's more than quitting a job. It's like quitting a family, but it's also like quitting like your your creative passion you know and and also like pick it up and move like did you you full-on move to the uk right essentially yeah which is a so i mean that's just a crazy thing like out of you know like we had this we had to sit down with dallas and he said guys i can't do this anymore um you know he tried to he tried to do it about as you know as 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 considerately as he could and like i'm gonna you know, we got six months of gigs. We're going to go into the studio and do the dog's blood stuff. Like I'm down, you know, we can announce it however you guys want, blah, blah, blah. But like at the end of the year, it's a wrap for me. Um, and, uh, and so we, we literally transitioned out of that. Like we played our last shows and, um, and, um, and I, I almost got asked to join Gallows immediately. Like in, in a very, like, they had no concept of it. They'd actually, um, when we toured together, when Black Lungs toured Fucked Up in the UK, there was a, we did a, Black Lungs did a London show at that, uh, that Vice Bar. Old Blue Last. We did a, yeah, we did an Old Blue Last show. And then Gallows did like a surprise set. Mm-hmm. Like they opened the show. And, um, and during the Black Lung show, like on that tour, I think I'd started just like singing a few tunes, not playing guitar. And so I guess they saw me do that that night. And Frank, had, you know, they knew it was, it was he was leaving at that point. And I guess they saw me do that that night and thought, oh, maybe Wade could be the dude. And uh, and so they called up and just said, like, hey, I don't know what Alexis is doing. And I said, it's it's over. Yeah. And then. So I, I, I hopped on a plane like a couple days later and it all just kind of happened like so quick. And they were, you know, at that point, like signed to, was it still Epitaph at that point or? I think all their contractual stuff had like kind of come to a close. Okay. close. Um, so, you know, part of the me joining and um, like the next chapter was kind of like trying to take back a lot of, you know, what they had signed away. So, you know, we started our own imprint, got our own distribution, got ourselves out of their merch deal 
and just like like did it all yeah um and, and you really uh, like rebuilt that band like that like, to the point where like it was your band it was like i mean like you know the band had other members but i mean like it was a defined thing that was yours but you had to like start pretty much from an unenviable position with that thing yeah i mean it's a very tough uh it's a very tough position to be in um something that i've talked to a few people about you know like a few people have brought it up like al from dropkick murphy's brought it up to me once and like fucking uh <laughs> i remember on the first gallows tour i did fucking bill stevenson was out in like denver or something like that and he's like he's like do you feel like dio or what do you what do you feel like <laughs> feel like i feel like henry motherfucker like, Get thanks, off with it. thanks thanks for coming down <laughs> bill um <laughs> what the <laughs> but here's the thing now you know where i'm where i'm at in my life now i think eventually you realize those dio records are real good yeah exactly and like they're they're their own thing like i think that's the thing is like it became its own thing and you know and yeah. it's and it's not but it was like especially in england of all places like i think to do that in other countries it would be different like you know and we, we've talked about it before i've turned down i got asked to join another band i got asked to to sing in in a band after a singer left and it was something where i'm like man it's just i couldn't imagine how having to build something and make it your own you know and and that's like uh you know as i say an unenviable position to be in yeah i mean it's uh yeah i mean it's obviously odd for because it, it just kind of uh it makes everything kind of get judged in like a twofold capacity like how does this stack up against not even what came before, but our idea of what came before. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and then do we, and then are we allowed to like it now? Um, which is, which is very odd, you know, yeah, yeah. and pretty exhausting. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I think we, we did what we did and I'm proud of those records and uh, did like some incredible tours and uh, it was, it certainly was difficult, you know, like the probably got better at dealing with hecklers. Yeah, I, uh, <laughs> I don't know. You know, it was. Uh, but like, I mean, I don't know. You could play. You can go to your own show. I can go do an Alexa show, and someone's there's a drunk guy that's gonna yell something stupid. So yeah, it's not like a that's not like a unique gallows situation. You but know? I, but you're going from like a band that you know, and obviously at that point Alexis is over. But like Alexis is in Canada, like the top tier you know, of beloved bands and not that Gallows was the equivalent in the UK, but Gallows was a beloved band in the UK in the original incarnation. Mm -hmm. And I imagine that going from one to the other, one extreme to the other must have been, you know, like a shock. Well, it's a, I think it was a shock because of kind of like the, the community that surrounded Alexis and the shows um, was always like, uh, was always a more positive vibe yeah just in the type of the music we play and uh and i don't know maybe just more melody more yeah. to more to be joyous about <laughs> and gallows was uh what everybody loved about it what i loved about it when it came out it was fucking chaos yeah and uh that was great um but uh yeah i mean but obviously like yeah that's a different type of energy that surrounds the band for sure and uh and and it was cool i think there i think that changed that shifted to our own version of it 
Um, but uh, yeah, it was, it was, it was night and day. Well, I think also even I imagine from the outside creatively, it seems so different. Like Alexis, like you're saying with this new record, whatever came out, came out. And I've always felt that with Alexis, like whatever the record is, is like a representation of what was coming out. Whereas I imagine with the, the gallows, like it is a lot more, not to a formula, but like you're, you're, there is a dark presentation. So what you're doing is not necessarily just what's coming out. Like it's part of a, a, a there's an aesthetic to it. Yeah. And it was very, very, very focused. And I wanted it to be just that, you know, I wanted to, especially the first record to just be this short burst of anger, mm-hmm. you know, that was like very dark and very oppressive feeling. And I, I mean, like, honestly, it felt representative of where my headspace was at at the time. Um, and, uh, but yeah, it was, it was very much like we were going after a thing mm. and we were focusing and going deeper into it. But I mean, that in itself, like creatively was really interesting because all the guys in that band are very talented. And I think we were really, really, really on the same page, um, musically. And that was, that was cool to, to have something be the polar opposite of Alexis where everyone's focusing in on this one idea. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I guess it's, you're right. Like you're saying, it's almost like, yeah, completely different approaches. Even the way the bands came together, right? Like joining a band like that versus, you know, a group of people just organically forming together as a band. Like it changes the way the, the you approach the music, I imagine. 100%, yeah. We got to talk about this Grateful Dead stuff, Wade. Where did this, where did this, <laughs> where did it all go wrong, man? <laughs> well... I think uh, I think I'd like to first start by, you know, earlier when we were talking about how you make a lot of decisions as your band that you think are counterproductive. Yeah. And then they end up being incredible. I think uh, I think I'd like to start by talking about that with the Grateful Dead and the pressure from the record label for them to stop people from coming and self taping the shows. Right. Yeah. Ed is presented with this opportunity. What do they do? They side with the record label who they owe a ton of money to, or do they just allow their fans to continue to create tapes, which are getting very elaborate at this point. People are showing up with fucking mobile recording rigs um, strapped to them like they're Ghostbusters. And uh, and, uh, Bob Weir says uh, in an interview... uh, you know, we, we could have sided with the label or could, we could let our fans keep doing what they're doing. And uh, we didn't want to be cops, man. <laughs> and uh, I think a lot of the, I think a lot of those Grateful Dead decisions are absolutely insane and are the reason I think uh, I continue to be more and more interested in the band. It's like this, this, I don't know, it's the deepest black hole there is in music to dive into. It's never ending. It's claimed many a soul. It's claimed yeah. many a soul that, 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 uh, Bermuda's triangle. Yeah. Like I, I envy the culture. Like you're saying, like, I wish, I wish neurosis had fans going and taping all the live shows and stuff like that. You know, like, I think that would be amazing, but, uh, I've just never been able I, and there's the first record I can definitely get into, but some of the jammy stuff, are you going to, you, you know, <laughs> you like that noodly stuff, right? You're into that. Yeah, I love all of it. Yeah. All of it? It got me. It got me. When did it get you? Like, how did that happen? How did it get me? Uh, it's hard to get into. 
Like, yeah. I mean, it's hard to listen to. Like, you listen to it and you go, what the fuck is this? Yeah. This, is, you know, this is what this sounds like? What is this? Um, which is why I think part of the reason, like, the people that love it the most are, like, feel this kinship. Because, like, we found our way in. But I think I found my way in by, uh, honestly, at a, at a point in my life when I felt... Uh, like I was struggling a lot with like addiction stuff, struggling a lot with like my mental health, um, just struggling. Like everything in everything in my life felt pretty fucked, um, and I was kind of just like trying to move away from like all the fucking dark stuff, and I I started listening to the dead and it. It was like a little, uh, I don't know, it was like this really positive thing. And maybe it was something during that time to kind of occupy my mind um, in trying to like uh, when everything else felt so heavy. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, I don't know. It's just this, it's just musically, it's, it's also positive and positive sounding, but then like lyrically, like so much of it's like, really mournful and uh i think i just i I came at it i found it at a time in my life when i like yeah i i I really could use i could use all the help i could get yeah and musically i just really connected with it and then as a you know as a music fan like uh i just kept you know i just i started like researching it and there's so much to research and the films and the books and the, the culture it all just made me kind of fall in love with it a little bit more yeah and does jerry sing about because he he had addiction issues right like i read dark star he talks a lot they talk a lot about that his heroin struggles in that book yeah i mean you know the thing about all the lyrics is like none of it ever gets pinned down Mm. And even like some of the, like the lyricists, like, like Robert Hunter and stuff that, that worked with the band, um, you know, sometimes they give like wildly different answers on the meaning of songs and, and, or just, you know, refute their earlier, uh, like musings on the songs. And, and so, uh, yeah, nothing's really like, yeah, definitive as to what anything means, but I think, yeah, I think like with all good music, there's a lot of like universality in it and you know you can certainly take a lot of that away if you're hearing if you're if you're searching for it yeah i think now i'm realizing how much of culture is you know replaced religion in our lives and just like where you focus and it's not even necessarily the people behind these but it's almost like these things become uh like icons and and religious things unto themselves and you know, like you can draw strength from it and the way people drew it from religion or morality, like, you know, David Bazan was on and I talk about this all the time, but he talked about how, you know, he's, he's no longer Christian and he's kind of stepped away from that, but like how much Ian Mackay kind of fills like a role in him of being sort of this internalized moral compass because he's allowed that the internalized Ian Mackay, which has completely almost divorced from Ian Mackay as a person. It's almost like your interpretation of this thing and the way religion is. I think that's really interesting. And I think, yeah, just when, yeah, I don't know, like the myth that surrounds something mm-hmm. and, you know, I think yeah, there's, I think there's something to that about just like, like Jerry as a, as like a concept of like, you know, like 
positivity and uh, like um, rebellion. And then also like, uh, like musical exploration and just being uh, and music as a craft, Mm -hmm. which is something that I think is always like really interested me as a guitar player and, and something I feel like, you know, that I, uh, you know, it is like, it is something that the the more I work at it, the more I, the more the instrument opens up to me. And that's like a really, you know, rewarding thing about doing it. And, and I think, uh, yeah, there's like, there's certainly a lot to respect about like his, his guitar playing. And, and so all of that, yeah, I don't know. It's just like, it all really struck me maybe at a time when I needed something. Yeah. It's, it's interesting when you look at how, like, you know, going back to punk, like, you know, the idea of what the misfits are versus the people in the misfits and like who, who this group represents or, you know, Fugazi, you know, and then you don't, you know, you don't actually have to look at, you know, anyone in the, not that anyone in Fugazi has done anything to (laughs) besmirch the legacy or anything, but you know, like, it's almost like these people, the actual human being becomes divorced from people's perception of what that person is. And I certainly could say the same about finding punk mm -hmm. when I did. You know, like it was at a time when like my family life was like really rough and I like didn't want to be in my house and, and I needed like, uh, I needed like the release and I needed like new people in my life and I needed, and I was fucking angry and I didn't know what to do with it. I didn't understand myself or, you know, and, and it, it was a thing that really, really, you know, profoundly changed my life. And, and I connected with so much. Um, And I think there's a little bit of that in like me finding the dead and obsessing over it. It's a similar, like of similar importance. Yeah. Well, I think what you're saying about punk, like that's something that comes up all the time on the show is how you find it when you need it. And the kids that are gravitating towards it are gravitating towards it because they need it. And looking back on some of my behavior, where I'm like going up and punishing bands and people in bands and like chatting to them. It's because I was fucking lonely and I was dealing with shit and I was reaching out and years later to find, you know, yourself in that same position where you're that person for someone else. It's, it's amazing how important that is in punk that you have all these heroes that are within touching distance and you can go up and talk to them after the show and, and feel that connection and just how important that is to so many people. I think it's, it's connection, right? And like, especially about punk is like, I mean, you know, getting a chance to meet all these people, you know, like, and I don't know, me, me getting to meet Chris Callahan when I was really young and like going up to him at a, the anti-racist action merch table or something like that, you know, <laughs> buying a patch off of me, like I saw your band and you know and he took the time to talk to me you know and like that was a big deal and like when I was really young and I managed to have you know quite a quite a few of those and most of the people I met through like that community uh I had like really good experiences with and then also like I mean I don't know it's it's how I know all of my best friends and uh we all this warped worldview because we were skateboarding and listening to dead Kennedys. Yeah, but we were right. You know, the rest of the world was wrong. Like, yeah, exactly. They were, they were telling the truth. There were truth in them lyrics there. But I guess that's also what the dead is too, right? Like it's a community, you know, and it, it's, it's a, a, it's a, it's a the community's crazy. And it's also like, 
it's super, it's super welcoming. And like in the same way that, you know, people get excited when you're, you're really into something like people are very, yeah, I don't know. The community is very excited to have you and it's, uh, it's pretty wild. Yeah. That's the thing I wonder if like, you know, and punk probably changed now. Cause it seems like it's, it's a lot better at this point from my limited exposure, what's going on these days. But like, <laughs> I can't imagine like the dead or star Trek having people gatekeeping as hard as punk and hardcore do when people show interest in something like, you know, like quizzing them on their t-shirt or calling them a poser for not liking the right band. Like where this, yeah. this is the thing where like, they're like, yeah, we don't want you in this thing. It's not the grateful dead's impenetrable because the music's hard to get into punk's yeah. impenetrable because the people are hard to get into. That's for sure. Grateful dad's a little bit more like, here's your balloon of nitrous. <laughs> Enjoy float away. Enjoy enjoy float away well that's the crossover now nitrous is huge in uh the west coast punk stuff in california that is too bad <laughs> it's very it's, i interviewed some kids for this thing that never came out and uh at a show and i'm like what's the biggest problem facing your scene today and they're like the nos guy they're like the nitrous mafia the nitrous mafia they, exactly what it is the nitrous guy shows up and has a gang is for security and sometimes the gangs this one group sometimes it's neo-nazis sometimes it's like it could be anyone uh that's insane uh that's uh yeah i mean that is some real dark energy like around the you know it's uh i don't know that's yeah, fucking weird yeah the 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 uh the drug culture in any scene i think you can always get sketchy that's the, the reality of of criminalization i guess yeah well wade this has been awesome buddy and you want to come back for this part three anytime i got to interview steel or or mr furnace um in a moment that's it mr furnace i remember yeah i remember from last time great punk name great uh and i want i want you to know buddy that uh uh you know i i respect and love your deadhead culture and uh and I, and I, and I learn, and I hope to learn from you and, and the dead ways. You know, I'll, uh, I'll put together my Ted talk on it for you. <laughs> Come up to Toronto, present it. Um, and, uh, yeah, I think, and I think, yeah, it is, it is a logical place to end the interview on the nitrous talk. <laughs> that's where we always end. Yeah. Like, you know, like that's not your world though, right? Nitrous. Like you've, you've been very open about the, about sobriety now and i've been and, very open about not doing nitrous very open years. about not wanting nitrous so we should put that out there no one give wade any or balloons ever because he does not Please want any of your keep balloons. The balloons away from me you know i may be thinking about taking them but i don't eat them <laughs> no no but you do like the need the grateful dead live sides so if you have any good live sides give wade some live sides perfect Thank you, Wade, for coming on the back on the show. And that is it. We've now had every member of Lex on Fire two, two on twice, uh, three. George has been on three times, four times. Anyway, go back through the archives and check out all those Lex on Fire episodes. They're all good. They're all worth listening to. And uh, you'll have a good time. Speaking of being good and worth listening to, Screaming Females have a fantastic new record out. And to celebrate Marissa from the Screaming Females, is coming on the podcast on the next episode. We talk DIY, punk. It, it, it's a fun conversation. I think 
you know, it's a, we got, we go, we, we go awesome. It goes awesome. <laughs> we go awesome. It goes awesome. <laughs> Screaming females records. Awesome. Let's leave it at that. I'm tired. It's three o'clock in the morning. Let's go to bed. Well, maybe it's not three o'clock when you're listening to it. It's whatever time you're listening to it. Let's go to bed. You're going to do this new episode with Marissa. It took a long time to put together. Uh, I got to thank her again for her patience on this one. All right. That's it for me. Remember, as always, Black Lives Matter. The lives and issues of indigenous peoples all over the world matter. We need to protect trans kids and help trans people protect themselves and their rights. And stop hate and violence towards people of different races and faiths and nationalities. Because we're not talking about politics. We're talking about human rights. This is just basic human rights shit. People deserve to be able to live free from oppression and violence and hatred. I would also add to this, we need to make sure that people have access to reproductive choices and that people that want to infringe upon these people's choices are prevented from doing so. So if there's an organization out there that you think that's doing good work, get involved, do something, help try and affect positive change in the world because it'll make you feel a little bit better. And these organizations can benefit from your time, your energy, financially if you have money because let's be honest unfortunately the world needs that so see see what you can do speaking of seeing what you can do see what you can do in punk anyone can do this shit you know you could be you know one of the biggest bands in the world just all you got to do is just start start today uh speaking of starting maybe try starting meditating it worked for me not that this work completely for me, you know, I still need to do other shit, but you know, it helps and people that really do it, that are really dedicated to it. I'm sure it helps a lot. I can get more dedicated to this thing. There's apps, there's all sorts of things you can try and see if it works for you because maybe, maybe it will, maybe it won't, but you know, it's better than watching the office again or some other bullshit and you know, try meditating. <laughs> I'm going to watch The Office again, I'm sure, very soon. Tell me to fall asleep. Uh, speaking of uh, falling asleep, when you fall into that deep sleep known as death, you want to know that you've signed your organ donor card because people can benefit from those organs after you're gone. I've seen miracles happen because of the organs. So sign your organ donor cards because you're not going to need those organs when they come looking for them. You need them till then, but until then, but not after. And that's it. I don't think I've got anything else to say. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm exhausted. Hopefully you get some sleep. All right. Thanks for listening. See you on the next episode.